Welcome to Of Dust and Divinity, a place where we ask big questions of small things as we gather around the table with makers, thinkers, and doers. So grab your favorite drink, pull up a chair, and join us. And now, here are your hosts, Caben Kramer and Chris Quant. Uh-oh. Hey, Chris. Uh-oh. Hang on. Oh, he's in trouble. Trouble on the landing. No, it's still on the runway. Hasn't even taken off yet. <laughs> my computer just chimed, and I forgot to turn off my notifications. There we go. Do you ever notice that when you're listening to some podcasts and like you hear a ding in the background, and you like check your own phone and you realize it's from the podcast? <laughs> it, I, I do it all the time. There's yeah, it yeah. happens. Do we want to try this again? I think we're in it, man. We're in it. Okay, let's do it. So what I want to know. <laughs> I want to know what you're drinking. Oh, what am I drinking? Yeah, I've got right here an Alaskan Amber. Oh, uh, that sounds really good. In, in my pint glass, which is really nice. Nice and cold. Yeah, yeah. And fresh. It's delicious. Mm. Does yeah. it taste like fresh salmon and, and bear fur? <laughs> <laughs> With a little bit of a plaid in there as well. Some yes. flannel. Some flannel. Uh, mm. Real tasty. Real tasty. I, I, I feel like uh, I should be on a boat right now in Bering Strait. Mm. Delicious. Uh, real good. And it's really the only thing I had in my refrigerator. Fantastic. So I'm like, oh, that's what I'm drinking tonight. Uh, that's a winner. How about you? How, what, what you got going on there? Well, I, I cracked open a brand new bottle of whiskey Ooh. for us this evening. This is a birthday present that I'm just now getting around to opening. Speaking of dinging. There we go. Um, and uh, it's a bottle of Highland Park 12-year, which is just mm, so good. I mean, nice. If you, had to, if you had to spend money on one bottle of whiskey, mm-hmm. this would definitely be in my top three as far as like affordable, but just worth having anyone, whether they are, you know, familiar with whiskey or not familiar, will just respect you and enjoy it for having it in your house what's the name of it Um, again highland park 12 year highland park 12 year yeah really honestly anything yeah anything from highland park they're 15 year they're 21 year they're 18 year all of it is fantastic nice yeah i always feel smarter when i'm talking to you cabe and if or or maybe (laughs) just a, a little more bougie does that mean I'm too much of a gatekeeper, Chris? Is that going back to that conversation a few months ago? Well, I just learned things. I'm like, I didn't even know that existed until two minutes ago. So now I know. Now I've learned something and knowledge is power. <laughs> knowledge is power. That's right. There we go. Well, hey, let's uh, let's jump right in today. We've got some mm. really interesting things to talk about. And really, this was spurred off of you did an Instagram series of stories today uh, on this particular mm. topic. And it was so interesting that we said, Hey, let's stop what we're going to do because really this needed to breathe a little bit more. I found it very interesting and wanted to dive into it. And it's kind of this idea of luck versus success. And I think you made mm. a highlight out of it. So for folks that want to go and check it out on your Instagram story and, and see the beginnings of this conversation, they can, but this mm-hmm. idea of luck versus success, and you said, hey, I'm going to tell you something that a lot of successful people don't tell you, and that is it's 90% luck <laughs> is what <laughs> they attribute success to. So really wanted to take some time to let this conversation breathe, and, hmm. and let's, let's expand this a little bit. Like That you can't quite do in an Instagram story, right? 
Yeah. And so yeah, that's what right. I'd love for you to do is really take us through and, and very quickly, because we did an entire episode on kind of what happened in the background, but just real quickly, just set the stage for us of what's looking mm-hmm. like success for you uh, and your yeah. family right now. Just real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So then let's also just kind of place ourselves in time here. So it's April 28th when we're recording this. Yeah. Good point. So it'll, a few months will probably have gone by by the time you're hearing this. Um, but yeah, it was, it was fresh in the Instagram stories today. Um, you know, so, so real quick context, you know, we're walnut farmers. We sell in the commodity market. The commodity market is a very difficult market for people to plan a budget around because it is a telling market, not an asking market. What that means is that the buyer tells us how much they're going to pay. They don't ask us how much the product costs, Mm. right? So, you know, especially during the pandemic, prices were really kind of um, depressed and in a slump. And so we were just trying to stay afloat. So we started direct to to consumer product. And, you know, our plan was to just incrementally grow small, local, slowly. And uh, kind of on a whim, maybe a little bit of intention and strategy behind it, sent a box of walnuts to some influencers on Instagram. One of them shared it. You know, my reach goal with sharing things, you know, with influencers was that we might get 100 orders in the year 2021. We hit 500 orders in 36 hours. Just absolutely phenomenally blew things away. And of course, you know, now we've rolled out, you know, even more things that are just really fun and and being engaged in some pretty cool ways. But that's the stage. Let me let me and let me stop you right there. For those that might not be familiar, you said reach goal. Help me understand what reach goal means. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, great. And I, I know you know, but it's, I'll, it's I'll, kind of I'll a corporate it. term, but the, not everybody might be familiar with that. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Thank you, Chris, for mm-hmm. keeping us honest on that. So, you know, in, in planning, you plan what your goals are going to be. And you say, OK, based on our current capacity, our current revenue, our current sales team, whatever it is, um, here's kind of a, a an expectation that we're going to have. We're going to call that our goal. Mm-hmm. And then you say, well, let's say that some factors really move in our favor. And the market's more favorable, customers are easier to win over, whatever it is, some, some things go our way. What would a reach goal look like? That is, if we were to take a goal beyond our goal and identify it as like, okay, if we don't hit this, we didn't do anything wrong. Mm. But if we could reach for something big, what would that look like? Right. That's a reach goal. So my reach goal for 2021 was 100 orders online. And we got 500 orders in a weekend. <laughs> and goal met. And, <laughs> and, goal. and apparently I wasn't really reaching <laughs> the way I should have been. Although, but I was. But this is where it comes down to luck and success, right? Because so much about business planning is oriented, that doesn't factor in luck. Mm. It simply looks at the, the elements that lead to like efficient processes, you know, effective sales strategies. Um, you know, customer retention, there's a bunch of like savvy technical business stuff that can go into creating a goal and even creating a reach goal, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't factor in luck. And that's really like that, that, but that's what happened to us, right? We, we, it would have been silly for us to plan this kind of sales growth in this time frame. If it hadn't been for luck, right? If you had sat me down in December and said, Hey, by the way, there's going to be a weekend in April where you go from like two sales a week to 500 sales in a weekend. 
no one in their right mind should take that conversation seriously. Right. right? Like, and I know we all want to like have our eye on the crystal ball and kind of see into the future. And we want to think, Oh, I, I would have called it. Oh, I would have seen that coming. No, we shouldn't have. If you had guessed that, like there's something like not, not correct settling in your brain, like that you would believe that those kinds of things should happen. Should, right. right is the key word there. Because like, that that's just not a reasonable conclusion based on reality. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. You said this is going to happen on April. Like the 1st of April? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> yeah. How convenient of a month is that? Mm-hmm, future me. Good point. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it happened. Right. So there's a couple of factors that went into luck, the, the luck of this, just to set the stage a little bit, to give a little bit more context. Walk me through a couple of those just kind of, it was lucky that this one or two things happened. Sure. Well, so the, the, the thought part of me, and I said this in my stories that are in the highlights, so I'll just talk about it briefly, was that if I could get an influencer to eat our sprouted walnuts on their stories, that might generate those hundred sales. Mm-hmm. The luck factor is that I happened to send it to a particular influencer, Sharon McMahon, by the handle Sharon says so shout out to all the governors listening. And she happens to be the kind of human in the world who has built a group of people around her who want to participate in the world she's creating because she's creating a good world. Right. And part of the ways that we participate in the world that's being created for us by influencers is to embody their lifestyle to the degree that it's possible, including the clothes that they wear, the things they eat, the places they go, stuff like that. And it just so happened. So that was, so it just so happened that sprouted walnuts now are part of that world that Sharon McMahon is creating, which is really fun for us because we get to be a part of that through her um, in that area. But it was also lucky that she likes walnuts to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people who don't like the taste of regular walnuts. There's a lot of people who are allergic to walnuts. And I had no, I, I had no information on that. I didn't have an inside angle on her life or her story or her eating habits. I had no idea. So that was lucky that she happened to. So when she opened the box and saw walnuts, her thought was, "Mm, I bet these will taste good. Right. She, she had no reason to think that other than she already knew she liked walnuts in general. And it turns out that our sprouted walnuts are just way tastier even than that. And that's why she talked about it the way she did anyway. So, but, but that was luck that she opened that box and had a positive feeling towards the product that was inside. Right. I couldn't have planned that. Right. It was also lucky that we happened to send it to her on a week where she didn't have 200 other packages competing for her attention. Right. Like there was, again, no way I could have known who else across the world was sending Sharon McMahon packages that week. Right. It just so happened that there was a small enough grouping of packages that she happened to get eyes on ours. Right. And any of us know this when like you send a resume to a company. Right? Yeah. <laughs> We've experienced that. And let's not lose that across the world. It's not a yes. regional or country that you're competing. Like literally across the world on any yes. given day, this could have been a different story. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, of course, the fact that she is the kind of person she is, that she's created the kind of following she's created. Mm. That's also unique. Right. And that also is was pretty lucky for us, too, that like when she holds up a, bo- a, a bag of spread ones and says, by the way, these are delicious. Go check them out. The people viewing actually went and checked us out. We, that was super lucky. Right. right? Like that's so. Yeah, there, there were a lot of factors of luck that went into uh, what what could be considered success. And, and you know, there 
And and I maybe we even, Chris, we should take a step back and talk about how these things are usually talked about, right? Mm-hmm. So, okay, so now everyone listening understands that I perceive this as being a whole lot of luck and a little bit of, of our own kind of effort put into the mix. But how it's typically presented in business journals and articles. So first of all, saying wild success comes through luck doesn't sell books. It doesn't grab headlines, mm-hmm. right? If we said Steve Jobs got super lucky one day in 1984, then he he wouldn't be built up into the mythological legend that he is today. Right. right? There's something in the way that we tell stories that we want to believe that it was sheer willpower, total genius, um, killer work ethic. Mm-hmm. We want to believe that there was something inside of that person and inside that person alone that led them to that level of success. Well, it's worthiness, right? It, they're 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 now worthy of it. But it's because we want to be worthy of it. Right. Because if it was inside of them, whether it was some skill that they learned or some attribute about who they are, then it's possible that that could live in us too. Mm-hmm. But if it's just random luck that exists outside of us that we can't control or necessarily tap into by our own force of will then it takes a lot of the air out of that balloon Mm -hmm. right like now suddenly my aspirations to be the next steve jobs or elon musk just totally got deflated i mean imagine if elon musk hadn't invested in paypal what if it had been a different payment method or sorry it it wasn't paypal it was ebay right and imagine all all of the all of the the e-commerce platforms that have come and gone that it could have been his, right? But it just happened to be that it was eBay, right? And so, like, I'm, you know, obviously he's a smart guy. He did some things that went into that. But there was a lot of luck involved in that. Yeah. But all of these kind of titans and heroes, if we actually were to deduce 90% of their success to lucky factors at key moments, it would completely change the narrative and it would change the way we view ourselves mm. right like i mean i'm I'm not i don't have the source pulled up so i'm i'm talking from memory and someone else can fact check me here but there was a, a research study done on um whether or not we should tax the wealthy right so i'm not going to get political but there's just this research done whether or not we should tax the wealthy and a bunch of people who were not wealthy said no we shouldn't and so then the interviewers went around and interviewed them and said Tell me why you don't want to tax the ultra wealthy. And there emerged a thread. There emerged a theme that they said, well, I don't want because what if I become super wealthy? Ah, That people were willing to exchange a tangible, real benefit of lowering their own taxes to increase taxes on the rich in exchange for a hoped for future Mm -hmm. in which they imagine themselves in the role of the ultra wealthy. Right. Right. So they, but, but we do that with successful people as well, that we imagine ourselves into those positions. And we want to believe that somehow it was gotten there through the hero's journey, not through, you know, just dumb luck Mm -hmm. because we want to be in that story too. Absolutely. Um, but I think I got lucky. 
that's it. Well, and it's you can't put a formula to it, right? Like in in our yeah. logical brains, like well, if I do X, Y, and Z, then right. I should be able to attain or achieve or at least come close to that right. particular outcome, right? Right. But if so and so, like, what the heck? Then that's not fair. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> if they just had this yes. straight, happen to be in the right place at the right. And how many stories have we heard about happen to be at the right place at the right time? And I fell into this career, and I, those are the things that frustrate me the most, right? Like, you know, I just yeah. happened to be there, and I fell into this th- career, and I love it, and I never think, like, why? And why can't that be my story, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, how did you just yeah. fall into something that you love? And, like, I, I only wish from the other side of the fence that that story yeah. was true for me. But there's no way if I do any sort of formula that I'm going to get to that particular outcome. Exactly. And yet we all yearn for it, right? We all want to get on that side of the fence where the world is clicking in our favor. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Every single one of us. And the truth is that luck is is rare and fleeting. Like I'm I'm not nearly so foolish as to believe that I could have a second stroke of luck. Right. Like lightning doesn't strike the same place twice. Right. Right. And 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 it just doesn't strike very often. And so. We so those who do get lucky and then they form a narrative of their own kind of pull themselves up by the bootstraps mm-hmm. and overlook the luck. Their their silhouette rises above the horizon. And so everyone can look to it and say, oh, well, surely there's something in there that I I can I can become that, too. Mm-hmm. But it just it leads to a pretty dissatisfying life. I think I think it does, because. The truth is the amount of hard work, the amount of effort, the amount of planning, the amount of late nights, the amount of revisions, the amount of design work, the amount of testing that we put into these sprouted walnuts, I would have put in even if only 20 people had bought the walnuts like, you know, they had between, you know, February 1st and and April 1st. Mm -hmm. Um, I was content with that. I didn't feel bad about that. I was proud of the work I was doing. I didn't need 500 orders in a weekend to feel good about my work. I'm thankful for it and I'm not going to squander it, right? We're going to build on that and and we're going to go some places. But my ability to make the choice to work hard was not dependent on the luck being involved. Mm. It was simply the right thing to do. And I knew that if it was going to be a five-year, a 10-year, a 20-year slow build, then it was still worth it. The amount of testing and product planning I'm, I'm still doing today and continue to do in the future is not going to change whether we have five sales or 500 sales because I carry around in my body this belief that that is simply the right way to operate. And and there is a sense that, you know, it's like, man, if if that single I wrote didn't didn't hit the Billboard Top 100, then I'm just going to give up my, my music career, right? There's this correlation we have that like, I have to have the success in order to feel like the work was worth it, which also creates a lot of disappointment because the work is worth it period. Either the work is worth it because you failed and I've failed on plenty of other projects that no one's heard about. Right. Um, or the work is worth it because of what it does for your own internal sense of well-being and place in the world. And I want to I want to make a distinction too because this is going on in my head, and I'm sure okay. somebody listening is might be going on in their head. And you're saying, "Well, 
okay, you're talking about luck, but then I see, you know, I become, there's a saying, I became an overnight success after 15 years of hard work or or of work, right? right? So there's the idea that we can maybe associate with luck of like, well, I'll just get lucky. Like, I don't really have to do anything and and maybe I'll get lucky and maybe this will happen for me. And people are going, well, Cabin, like you're saying that luck, like it's it's this thing and, and it's so random. But yet you're doing work like you're you're not just yeah. sitting on your hands like you. You actually Correct. did something. You were proactive. You put yourself out there. There's a story right. of uh, Tyler Perry. Exactly what you said. Tyler Perry is very wildly successful now, but he started by creating and doing these one man shows as an artist. You know, these one man plays that nobody showed up to. Yeah. And it and, and, and it failed or we would say that it failed or you could say, OK, well, he learned a little bit different next time and he did another show. And maybe a right. couple of pe- his friends came to it just to have pity right. on him. Right. And he kept doing it and he kept doing it until he finally was able to find that stride. And I, and there, I think it's him and maybe somebody else said that. But basically, if you're not creating, you're waiting. Right. And you can apply mm. that to anything. So you're, okay, yeah. you're creating your process. You're creating your branding. You're yep. creating your yep. the packaging material for crying yep. out loud. So yep. people would say, well, really, Cabin, but I mean, I know luck, but you did put in hard work into that. Well, so we, we've now successfully identified both extreme ends of the pendulum. So on the one end is the the kind of titans of industry who chalk up their success purely to their own force of will mm. and ignore the luck altogether. Mm-hmm. On the other end of the spectrum are the people who play the lottery and hope that they will just get lucky and maybe it's literally the lottery but maybe it's also just you know they're they're still sitting on the couch waiting for luck to walk through their front door right so on the one hand there's an over-reliance on luck and on the other hand there's an under-acknowledgement of luck Mm. neither one represents the real world and it's been said that you know luck favors the prepared right And I think there's an element of that, but I'm very hesitant to put too much weight on that stone because it gives out very quickly when we look at the racial matrix of our society. Because I think if I were going to be a little bit more accurate, instead of saying that 90% of my success is luck, I would actually say probably 50% of my success was luck. 49.9% of my success was white privilege. And only 0.1% was my effort. Mm. Talk to me more about that. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, so so it's great that, that luck favors the prepared. But there are plenty of very prepared, very intelligent, very competent people mm. who don't have the privilege piece that I do. That even the luck that finds them isn't enough for them to break through the threshold. Mm-hmm. So here, let, let me just name what I'm lumping as white privilege. Okay. okay. I have access to resources. I have a house that I don't have to share with too many other people outside, you know, my wife and kids. And that house is average, you know, it's average size in America, which means it's a freaking mansion on the world scale. Mm. Right. Which means that there's space. Like we literally have an extra room that we can do this stuff in. Like who, who in the world has extra rooms in their house? It's such an opulent thing. And and yet it's just very commonplace in our country. Um, and certainly for people of my socioeconomic and race class status. 
Um, so we, we had the, the, the resources with the physical space in our home. Um, we had the material resources financially because my wife works full time. I farm full time and we have a housing situation that's stable. We weren't worried that we're going to lose the roof over our head next month. Mm -hmm. Um, that gave us some freedom and runway, uh, emotionally, neurologically, um, envisioning of the future, it gave us the space to imagine this into reality mm. early on in the process. Um, and then, of course, we have the resources, the literal resources. We literally have the walnuts. Well, why do we have the walnuts? Because I am the the male son of a landowning farmer who is, you know, I'm, I'm the fourth generation of my family. Um, and so having this land held generation, generationally and passed on I am coming into a position of land stewardship that I could not buy my way into if I tried right now. The reason I got am in this position is because back in the 1940s, things were tilted in the favor of straight white men even more severely than they are today, right? So when it came down to giving loans to certain people, People like my great grandfather were picked much more frequently than other people's great grandfathers, right? Mm -hmm. So everything got tilted into into my favor, which led through the generations and through you know everything else to me having the space, time, resources, and capacity to actually pursue what was a niche, you know, interest hobby at the time. Right. And it might have stayed that way for a very, very long time. Like, Chris, we had invested thousands, literally thousands of our own dollars without making a single sale. Mm. Like there is a there is just fundamentally there is a certain amount of privilege that goes into that. Right. Like yeah, that, we can't deny that. That's not an often a business model that <laughs> stays right. around for long. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and had we failed, we had to be in a place where we could have absorbed 100 percent of those losses. Right. Right. So there's some very tangible privilege that went into it. So it's so while I agree that luck favors the prepared, mm -hmm. I agree in a qualified sense that someone who is from a different family background, racial uh, up, uh, mix, whatever it is, they might have done all the same planning I did. They might have even had the same financial resources that I do to actually bring it into reality. But the matrix of other things just wouldn't have worked out all the time, mm -hmm. or I should say less frequently, right? So so in my case where it might have worked out eight out of 10 times, in their case, it might have only worked out five out of 10 times. Right. And you can still say, well, it still worked out five out of 10 times. Yeah. But when it comes to luck, having an eight out of 10 chance to hit luck versus a five out of... That's a big difference in the odds. Significant odds, yeah. Absolutely. Right? That's a very big difference. So, yeah. So, that I, I, I just feel like that's a really important thing to say about luck as well, is that not only does, does luck strike rare and infrequently, but it also tends to strike in a relatively selective way. That's a reflection of the built-in bias of our society and culture. Mm -hmm. That it just so happens that other white people are luckier more frequently. Well, the cause of that <laughs> is this piece that is also often unnamed, right? Like mm -hmm. just 
all those titans I just mentioned, right? So we've talked about Jack Dorsey, Elon Musk, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates. Yeah. What do they all have in common? Yeah. They're all white men. Right? Right. And and of course we can look to the exceptions. We can look to the the unique cases that hopefully become less and less unique and more and more common. But we don't have to look very far back in history. And certainly if you look back in the 40s when my great-grandfather bought this property, all of the the icons of success were also white men. So we we just can't ignore that that played into it. Right. Right. So there's this obviously this this great divide, if you will, between you know luck and success and and who has access and who doesn't have access and 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 hopefully bringing a more level playing field. I, I think that's really our, our hope. And and in the meantime. Okay, so what do we what do we do with that, Cabin? Like, obviously, like mm. so happy for you, so happy for right. your success, right? And and it's not that you're gonna stop doing this. And I'm I'm not saying like, hey, we're just gonna come up with some answers today. And and I'll just say, uh, my wife and I. This strikes home too because this weekend, my wife and I spent the weekend in San Francisco. It was our anniversary, and we I had a chance to. Our, our hotel was, for those familiar with San Francisco, the very touristy area is at the waterfront along the Embarcadero. There's a lot of touristy spots there, the piers and all that. As you walk up away from the waterfront, you get into more real San Francisco. And we were even staying kind of along the, the Market Street Fifth Avenue area, so uh, not in the depths of it. But to see to see the disparity, and, and San Francisco is, is this contrast between mm-hmm. this opulence, just these literal ivory towers, mm-hmm. and you see such poverty. Mm-hmm. You know th- that I, I I walk down the street, and, and I see, uh, you know, a woman of color standing in the street, barefoot, in trash screaming in the wind you know just word salad yeah yeah and 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 your heart breaks and you're like how can i help and 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 you realize one not only you know the the economic you know disparity that we're talking about but the fact of mental health and Mm -hmm. again we could we could get on our soapbox and talk more about that and what's being done or not being done about that Mm -hmm. uh but but you just think of this this overwhelming it, it seems overwhelming but I'm, and maybe the point that I'm trying to make here is, man, we got to do something. <laughs> yeah, and we're not yeah, going to solve totally. that on this podcast. But I think the recognition, <clears throat> no, yeah, of, of that, and 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 bringing people aware to that, and just saying, okay, well, there is privilege. Yes, that does exist. Mm-hmm. What are we What are we doing about that? And 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 how yeah. can we help? And again, we're I don't know that we're going to find answers here right now. But to start the right. conversation, to start thinking about that is very important. And and the self awareness that that yeah. you're having right now in this moment, like, look, I realize, I get it because I have access, and people yeah. don't have that. Right. And and I and I do I do carry that burden with consciousness, mm-hmm. and I recognize that there is something that I can do about it, right? And so I, I've got things in my head that I hopefully by the time this airs will be in practice. But I've been thinking a lot about like, okay, I, I'm now in a place where I am actively looking to hire people. Mm. Okay, so now I'm going to think about who I'm hiring and how much I'm paying them and how I'm treating them. Now, I could look at it from an economic standpoint. And I could say, well, here's minimum wage. The 
there's no technical. I, I could literally hire a high schooler to do the process because once you learn it, anyone can do it. You don't have to have any kind of special technical degree. I can train anyone to do what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I could look at that and say, well, then I'm only going to pay minimum wage. Right. And I, I could look at other things like say, well, I, you know, I want to hire people who, you know, who, who look like me. Maybe I trust them more or something else. But I also have the opportunity to actually take different choices to pay people more than maybe my business model warrants that I should, um, to really actually consider their livelihood mm-hmm. above my, you know, I, I'm surrounded by farmers, very wealthy farmers who have boats and jet skis and snowmobiles and vacation homes. And, you know, they, they buy a brand new truck every year as a business write-off. Right. And like, I, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to join that. And, but, but it has to be conscious, right? Because, you know, it's kind of like Aladdin in the cave of wonders, right? When, when his little monkey friend sees the big Ruby, right? Like, and his eyes go big, right? Like, I could see a path where I try to chart this thing to my own prosperity. And don't make me wrong. Like we're, we're going to structure this in a way that like my wife and I can live and have a living off of this, but that's all we need. All we need is a living. We don't need to pile wealth upon wealth. So then what are choices we can make early on now that will help steer the ship in a direction that might lead us into some places that can have some real impact, right? So we're asking questions about like, well, what is, what's a pathway to um, employee ownership look like? What is a living wage look like? Yeah. What does um, flexible employee set hours look like? Is that even possible with our process? Yes and no. Uh, what is, you know, some self, what does it look like? Like I'm, we haven't even hired, we haven't even officially hired our first employee, and I'm already thinking about a roadmap to get me out of leadership. <laughs> like, that's already on my mind because I need to be thinking about that now, or else I'm going to become just another person who's hanging on longer than I should, trying to scrape out another dollar from a business that I started many years ago. Right. And, but, th- but so, so when you ask the question, like, what can you do? I mean, this occupies my brain constantly. Like, how can I make a different choice? How can I look at the land around me and the people on it around me and say, I am going to do something different? Why not? If this fails in three years, again, it comes back to white privilege. I still have a roof over my head. My wife is still employed. I'm still a farmer. Like if this thing fails in a couple of years, I'm just back to where I was in 2019. Right. Like, it's not like I'm, you know what I mean? It's not like I'm going to be homeless. Mm -hmm. And even if I was like, we'll figure it out. Like we can take that. But like, why not? Why would we not take the opportunity to do something different when the opportunity that's come our way wasn't because we're smarter or better than anyone else around us, right? It came our way because of luck. So why would we not return that in goodness to the world and the people who are impacting? Like, that's what goes through my head. Yeah. And and I'm I, I'm really just saying this to you, Chris. And actually, I kind of forgot that we we're still recording. But like, th- this is not in any way meant to be like a self promotion of of the altruism well, of Cable and, Kramer. And, and I wanted to, <laughs> I, I was going to point that out. I, I I wanted to kind of make it clear. It's like this is not self congratulation and self promotion on this. I, I think it's an honest conversation of saying, yeah, yes, there is an awareness of what has happened, and yes, there is an awareness that there are others that need to be lifted up in the process. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and so how can and, and honestly, I think 
folks are just kind of hearing us wrestle through it and hearing you <laughs> wrestle yeah. through the process of how do we do that. And, and again, didn't bring it up. I kind of, I'm the one that brought it up. Um, and, and it wasn't just to say, Oh, look at, look at what good people we are and, and we're struggling right. with this. So this makes us just, you know, a level above, but exactly <laughs> that, like how can we now no. get others thinking about that for what, ever little influence we may have or somebody listening yeah. to this might might glean from this yeah uh, but yeah i wanted to make that distinction <laughs> yeah as yeah well, just in case yeah it was coming across that way Hope, hopefully. yeah well chris i i, I do want to be laying the plane here in a minute but i i want to i want to just kind of bring up one other thread that i think is important in this conversation about luck and success um is it okay that i do that absolutely you don't need my permission yeah. you get <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> well, no, I, I, I think it's really important this, you know, because we've talked about the two extremes, right? We've talked about those who change the story to only be about their genius and hard work and ignore luck. And we talk yeah. about the other people who don't want to do the hard work or exercise their genius and just wait for luck to walk in the front door. But in the middle lie the vast majority of us. 99% of us live in that middle space. Where there's some confluence, some ebb and flow, some give and take between hard work and luck every single day of our lives. Mm. And so a, a, just a couple takeaways for everyone listening, because everyone listening is going to be in that middle space. Um, one, believe in yourself and what you bring into the world. And what I mean by that is. I have a thousand ideas a day. My wife will tell you like every hour she talks to me, I have a different idea of something I want to do. Right. And not just small ideas of like, oh, we should go to this restaurant or that restaurant. But it's like ideas like, oh, we should start this chain of restaurants and we should start them tomorrow in these five cities. Like that's how my ideas right. work. Um, and but but the but believing that there lives inside of you something that the world will say thank you when you bring it out from inside of you. That exists within each one of us. And I say that from a place of, you know, a, a, a Jesus perspective of, of life. But that's true no matter what walk of life you come from. Like there is something inside of you. Maybe it's really quiet and dormant. Maybe you haven't found, maybe it's kind of lost in the bushes and you haven't actually laid your hands on it yet. But there is something inside of you that the world will be better off when you bring it out and share it with the rest of us. For me, I'm, I'm still figuring it out, but for me, it's, it's a lot of it has to do with like, I'm one of those weird people who has a lot of ideas and then actually takes action on those ideas. That's just kind of part of my wiring, right? And not everyone's that way. And that's fine. Like not everyone should be. If everyone was that way, we'd all be in trouble. We'd never get along. And, you know, a company <laughs> like Ford can never exist because everyone would have too many ideas and not enough just follow through. Yep. But but I knew that there was something inside of me that the world would be thankful for. So I had to believe in myself. I had to believe that there was that good thing inside of me and I had to take the courage to bring it into the world. The second part of that is to love the thing that you bring into the world, right? It's we, we it's a journey to love ourselves, but it's also a journey to love the things that we birth in the world because they're ugly babies too, right? They're they're imperfect projects. Everything. Yeah. Um certainly these sprouted walnuts are. 
<laughs> and and learning to love the things we birth into the world is different than clinging to them. Right? Just like our children, right? We we bring our children into the world and we love them and our job is to steward them into life and to release them into life. It's not to cling, right? And and so it's the same thing with other things we birth in the world, whether that's your art or a project or a business or just faithfulness in your job, in your nine to five, right? Whatever it is you're birthing in the world, love it, love it. And then, and this was key for our little startup, believe that when you share it, someone will want to receive it. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that, like, when we sent it to Sharon, we sent it blind. And we sent it to a lot of other people, too, by the way. It wasn't just Sharon. There, And there there were more no's than there were yeses. Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't carry that monkey on my shoulder. I don't because I'm proud of the product we sent to people. I'm proud of what we birthed in the world. I'm proud of what we bought out. If Sharon never shared it, I would still be proud of our product. So believe in yourself. Love yourself. Love what you bring into the world and take the initiative, take the courage to actually live into the reality that people will say thank you when you share that with them. And I think when we all do that, we can make the world a better place. We really can. So the the touchy-feely side of me wants to, for those listeners that this rings true for, like if we could look you in the eye right now, because I think you need to hear this. Like, Cabin, you said it, but you have value. Mm-hmm. Hear me now. You have purpose. Love what you are bringing into the world. And if you don't know what that is, trust that that will come. Mm-hmm. Believe in who you are. And I'm not meaning for this to be a motivational talk, but I, I feel like somebody needs to hear this. Yeah. Absolutely. As you're listening to this, that you have value, you have purpose, you bring good into this world. Mm-hmm. And Cabin, there's one thing that I love that you you do on your, your stories. You said this the other day that whatever weight you are carrying, the earth can hold it. Mm-hmm. It can hold you. It can hold your weight. It can sustain you. It can sustain the weight that you're carrying. And that's OK. And that's good. And if you need to be rooted for a little bit in that, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but but know that if you can be still for a little bit and recognize that, you can move on and you can you can move forward. So got a little touchy feely there. Just kind of felt like somebody needed to hear that and that needed to be emphasized. Absolutely. I'm. Thank you, Chris. I needed to hear that, Chris. That's yeah. Thank you. That's good. Well, hey. Uh, with that, all that said, Cayman, this was really good, and and I love just being able to have some space to unpack that more because a very, I think, very valuable conversation. Very, um, and again, don't mean this to be a pat on the back, but just some bringing some self awareness to to situations and some honest and real conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, um, hope, hopefully, we can continue this on and, and advance the conversations, not only just with words but with action. And excited to hear that how that's going to pan out for you guys. So, thank you for being open, for being honest, for being yourself. Uh, love it, man. Thank you so much. And that's our show. If this conversation was meaningful to you, like it was to us, leave a rating and review so that more people just like us can discover this podcast and join the conversation themselves. Thank you for listening. 
We're so glad you're here, and we'd love for you to join the conversation too. But hey, you've heard enough of our voices. For show notes or to connect with this community of seekers, visit us online at ofdustanddivinity.com. Partner with us on Patreon and get access to exclusive content, merch, and hidden perks. Go to patreon.com slash ofdustanddivinity. Join our Facebook group of Dust and Divinity podcast community and engage with us on Instagram at ofdust underscore and divinity. As you go through your day, remember these words of Rainer Maria Rilke. Be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves. Do not seek the answers which cannot be given to you, for you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Recording now. Uh-oh. Hey, Chris. Uh-oh. Hang on. Oh, he's in trouble. <laughs> trouble on the landing. No, My... still on the runway. Hasn't even taken off yet. <laughs> My computer just chimed, and I forgot to turn off my notifications. There we go. <laughs> <laughs>